Morning, everyone. Today we're continuing our series with the parables. And today we're going to look at a really, really short parable. In fact, it's only one sentence long. <laughs> so this parable actually comes in between some of the longer parables we've heard, like the parable of the mustard seed, uh, the parable of weeds among the wheat. And what's interesting about these other parables is Jesus goes on a long journey to describe these parables. Sometimes he even breaks down and explains what the parables mean. But then you have this parable that we're going to look at today, the parable of the yeast. It's literally one sentence. It's kind of crammed in between these two parables. And it goes like this. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. That's it. You just get one little sentence crammed between these bigger, larger parables, and it's almost as if this parable just passes you by. It's almost as if it's sort of a hidden parable. I think in many ways it was, in many ways it is. Because when we talk about this parable, oftentimes, there's a message that wants to come through that we don't always see. And I think maybe Jesus was doing that intentionally. So let's look at this parable again. Again, it's only one sentence. Matthew 13, 33. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. So it's really interesting, right? This one sentence has provoked a lot of interpretations, a lot of debates throughout the years through many different scholars and theologians. And essentially it goes like this. There's two big prevailing views. Either the yeast is really evil and corruptible or the yeast is really good, right? So let's start with the evil one. The evil one, right? Yeast back in this time, this is, you know, yeast wasn't like a starter that you could just go buy in the grocery store. Yeast was this thing that grew in a jar. It took a lot, a lot of time. It was obviously the thing that made bread grow, but oftentimes it, it smelled really bad. Like, I don't know if you've ever had yeast like in that form in a jar, but it smells terrible. It's sour, it's gross. And in the Bible, this word, is mentioned about 11 times, and it always seems to have some kind of corruptible or bad nature to it. In fact, only a couple of chapters later, right, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and he's talking about the Pharisees. And in Matthew 16, 5, he says, Watch out and be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Right? In Galatians, Paul talks about uh, a corruptible yeast destroying the whole bread, right? Like one bad apple ruins the whole lot. So there are these ideas of yeast being bad and corruptible. And so that's led many scholars and theologians to think, okay, well, then the flour is the kingdom of God, right? So the, the yeast is this corruptible thing, but then it meets Jesus and the kingdom of God and it changes and all of that, right? Okay, that's one view, right? 
But then you have a completely other view that says, no, 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 no. The, the, yeast, is, the yeast is good. The yeast is uh, the bread of Christ, right? That Jesus is the bread of life. That when we take communion, we're taking communion and remembering God. We're feeding on the bread that comes from yeast. When we say the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, we're talking about the bread, right, that comes from yeast. So yeast can't be evil because Jesus is the bread of life. And so yeast is just the part, the thing of God that makes the kingdom grow. That when all of it is leavened, it's like the whole world is transformed and experiences the, king of, the kingdom of God because of Jesus and God's reign, right? So two completely different views. And I'm going to say, let's throw both of them out. Like, who cares? Who cares what the East really means in this context? Because I think, again, I don't think Jesus really cares that much either necessarily. I think Jesus is trying to help us see something hidden about this parable. Because sometimes we can get so super spiritual and we can get so um, caught up in what does this yeast mean and what does this measures of flour mean until all of it's leaven. And we have these big old debates and arguments and we miss this very simple hidden character in the narrative. Because this whole time we've been talking about the yeast, right? And what have we missed? Let's read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. A woman took and mixed in. Huh. You see, there's one scholar in particular. Her name is Amy Jill Levine. She wrote this amazing book, Short Stories by Jesus. And of course, she helps us see something different about this passage. She helps us see something about the woman in particular, which surprise, surprise, a lot of the male theologians arguing about this just completely miss that there was a woman character in this story. And this is important because oftentimes women in this society, even in today, were completely overlooked, underappreciated, undervalued. And I think Jesus is bringing something out in this story about the kingdom of God that we can see through this woman. In fact, in the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Thomas phrases this whole metaphor, this whole parable a little differently. In the Gospel of Thomas, it says, the father's imperial rule is like a woman who took a little leaven, hid it in dough, and made it into large loaves of bread. So the Father's imperial rule, meaning the kingdom of God, is like a woman who took a little leaven, hid it in the dough, and made it into large loaves of bread. You see, in Thomas's gospel, the kingdom of God is like the woman, not like the leaven necessarily. And I think if we look at this honestly, we find a much more compelling, much more interesting 
vision of what the kingdom of God could be like when we situate the woman as the thing that's bringing it about, the agent, the incarnation of the kingdom of God is actually happening through this woman. That's a big deal. (laughs) That's a big deal that has a lot of implications for today's time and it had a lot of implications now. And maybe that's why back then this message got so hidden. It got so passed over. Maybe that's why this Verse hasn't got a lot of attention because it's about a woman in the Bible. And in the Bible, I mean, we know that doesn't happen very often, right? Like, yeah, we have characters, we have stories about women in the Bible, but 90% of the people named in the Bible are men. The Bible was mostly written by men. But we know that women had such an important place in the Bible. We know historically that women probably supported Jesus's mission financially, that he was probably supported by women through their gifts, through their financial means. We know that there were women disciples. We know that there were women followers. We know that the early church grew because women hosted people in their homes. Women have always had a very important part in this kingdom of God. And this woman in particular, I think, did too. So we have to understand that in this time, women were responsible for making food for the family, right? And making bread was a normal, typical feature of a woman's day during this time. It would normally take a woman two to four hours just to make enough bread for one family of five. One family of five, two to four hours, every single day just to make bread. This was a labor of love. This was an intentional act that took a lot of time. But what's so interesting about this woman in particular is when it says that a woman took and mixed it with three measures of flour. Three measures of flour. Doesn't sound like a lot, right? Maybe when you hear three measures of flour, maybe you're thinking, Oh, three cups of flour, you know, yeah, okay. No, three measures of flour in this time was equal to 40 to 60 pounds of flour. 40 to 60 pounds of flour. That's a lot of flour. And it makes you wonder, what is one woman doing with all of this flour? Why does she need 40 to 60 pounds of flour? And what's even more interesting If we look at the Greek of this word mixed in, right? So she took yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour. The mixed in, the Greek word there is in crypto, which means hidden or done in secret. So not only is this woman, you know, taking 40 to 60 pounds of flour you know, putting the yeast in it to make bread, but she's doing it secretly. She's kind of hiding this from the rest of the people, perhaps. Because honestly, in this time, like one woman, what does she need 40 to 60 pounds of flour for, right? 
Most people are probably going to think this woman's crazy. This woman's foolish. What is she doing? But she's hiding in a way. She's secretly doing it. Why? Because I think this woman wanted people to be fed. I think this woman noticed that perhaps in her town of Galilee, people didn't have enough to eat. Perhaps she took it upon herself to create the kingdom of God through her with whatever means she could. Now, part of me really wants to believe that, right? That that's true, that that happened. These are parables, right? And oftentimes parables are metaphors and oftentimes they're hyperbolic. So, you know, my skepticism started to creep in. Oh, one woman, 40 to 60 pounds of flowers. Now there's no way that happened. And then I realized, you know what? That's happening right now in our community. In our community here at Oceanside Sanctuary, there is a woman here who is very much like this woman, who very much sort of in secret hiding, <laughs> makes all of this food possible for people in our community of Oceanside. So many of you know that we operate a food pantry here at Oceanside Sanctuary, right? Every Monday, we have people come throughout the community who get tons and tons of food. But many of you don't know our main volunteer, our lead volunteer, Victoria. Many of you don't know her because she doesn't come to church here. She doesn't, she doesn't come to the services. She doesn't listen to the services. I mean, maybe she does. I don't know. She's probably listening to this one because I told her we'd be talking about her. But I honestly have no idea what she believes about God. I honestly have no idea what she thinks about Jesus. And you know what? None of that matters. Because Victoria is the kind of person who is tangibly bringing about the kingdom of God right here in Oceanside. So many of you know, a couple months ago now, I started taking over the food pantry, which really means I just started to <laughs> come out and help and, you know, see what was going on and manage everything that was happening. And I really realized really quickly that, okay, I know who the boss is here. It's Victoria, right? Victoria, this volunteer who knows where everything is. She can tell you which can is about to expire. She knows where everything goes. She knows when the deliveries are coming in, when we're short on food. She knows who to call in the community to get it. She is like the superwoman of our food pantry. And I realized so many of us watching this, so many of us who come to church on Sunday, we don't even know who she is. We don't even realize that she's the one making these things happen. In fact, you're gonna see a video right now that I took of her. This was just on Wednesday of this week. So our food pantry operates on Monday, right? But Victoria doesn't stop working during the food pantry just because it's closed. She's out during the week calling up people, getting food. Every Wednesday, practically, she comes on her own, basically without anyone knowing, and just dumps another huge 
van, SUV full of food. I mean, some people might think this is foolish, Victoria. We have enough food. In fact, it's funny, right? Victoria and I have gotten into some interesting teaching moments for myself where, you know, there's a lot of food and we're about to throw some away and all of our clients are gone. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's throw this away. And she's like, no, 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 we don't need to throw that away. I'm like, oh no. And she's like, no, I can call Richard. I can call blah, blah, blah. All this food you're seeing that she brings in is extra. It's the 40 to 60 pounds that this woman in the story has, right? It's the kind of food, it's the kind of surplus that blesses people in a way that I sometimes, as a Pharisee or a Sadducee, can't see. Victoria constantly makes sure we have way more than enough so that everyone has way more than they need. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what Jesus is wanting us to recognize, right? It's not this Sunday experience, right? That I get super caught up in. Even, even during the Mondays, right? When we're working the food pantry, sometimes I'm thinking about, okay, what needs to happen Sunday? Oh, I'm preaching? This week, oh man, I need to start thinking about that. I just get lost in the spiritual, you know, big ideas and big thoughts that I forget that I'm handing someone bread right now. That I'm handing someone extra meat because Victoria brought this in. I think Jesus wants us to see, he wants us to recognize that it's easy to miss the kingdom of God. If we're only thinking about the big spiritual things that need to happen or ways to connect to God, a very vertical relationship with God, right? Which isn't a bad thing, but sometimes it forces us to miss the things that are actually happening right in front of us. And when we connect to the tangible acts of God, often through people who are sort of hidden in the background, who don't need a lot of praise, who don't need a lot of acknowledgement, we start to realize that the kingdom of God grows through hidden acts of generosity that meet real people's needs. These hidden acts, this woman with 40 to 60 pounds of flour that could possibly feed an entire community. Victoria coming in when the food pantry isn't even open to bring extra food, even though we have so much food already, to make sure that everyone has more than they need. When we pay attention to the underappreciated in our midst doing works like this, it helps us recognize truly what the kingdom of God is. It helps us recognize that the work starts on Monday, that God calls us 
out of the Sunday experience to extravagantly meet people's needs through our generosity. That we're called to become more like Victoria, like this woman in the passage. We're called to step into these hidden realities that make the kingdom of God present in tangible ways. Because the kingdom of God is present when everyone has enough to eat. <laughs> the kingdom of God is a community looking out for each other where no one goes hungry. The kingdom of God is tangible. It's not necessarily just some big pie in the sky idea that we have to wrestle and figure out and debate about and all this other stuff. It's bringing some extra food to the food pantry. It's giving out extra bread. It's doing all these things that don't need any acknowledgement at all, but that come from a place of service, of love. So I just want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge people like Victoria. I want to acknowledge people in the Bible, women in the Bible, who've not gotten a lot of acknowledgement. I want to acknowledge these simple, hidden gifts of generosity, because when we acknowledge them, we start to see what the kingdom of God truly is and can become. So I want to ask you today, who, who in your midst maybe is hidden that's doing kingdom of God work so tangibly, so clearly, but sometimes you forget because they're not up here on a stage talking about spiritual things. They don't work for a church. They're not talking about Jesus all the time, right? Who are those people? I want you to reach out to them maybe this week and just tell them how much you see them, how much you appreciate them. Thank them for helping them make the kingdom of God a reality. And next, I'm wondering, what is it that you could step into to be extravagantly generous? Right now, what's so fascinating about this woman in this story is that she wasn't going necessarily out of her normal day to do this extravagant thing. This was part of her normal day. This was part of her normal life. So what are some things that you're just already doing that you could add in some extravagant generosity to, to surprise someone, to help bring about the kingdom of God more? And lastly, and I don't have the answer to this, but I'm wondering what could emerge from this community if we collectively were extravagantly generous in ways that met real people's needs. Obviously, we're already doing that in so many ways, but how could we come together more to make that more of a reality? How could we be tangible expressions and tangible builders of God's kingdom? here on earth. So I'm going to leave you with those three questions. 
I hope this one little sentence has opened up something for you that's new, that was maybe hidden before, and let us all make God's kingdom real now and into the future. Amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is CJ, and I've got a few quick announcements here for you this morning. First of all, if you are new to the online gatherings, simply grab your phone and scan that QR code on the screen, and that will uh, open up a form for you to let us know you're watching, and we'd love to know where you are listening or watching from this morning. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Oceanside Sanctuary. Coming up on August the 29th on Sunday, uh, pretty much right after the service on the 29th, the Oceanside Sanctuary and the Pilgrim United Church of Christ are going to get together. Their youth are gonna get together and they're gonna have a pizza party and they're gonna make some mugs. It's pizza and pottery for our youth. So we would love for you to be part of that. Once again, it's August 29th, 12.30 to 2 p.m. It's a great time to invite some friends, to have some fun and some meet, uh, to meet some new people here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. So we're looking forward to hosting that and having a great time. You can get more information on the OceansideSanctuary.org website for the Pizza and Pottery Youth event on August 29th. If you are looking for a place to serve both those that come to the Oceanside Sanctuary and those in the community, we are looking for some volunteers. We have some volunteer opportunities. The first one is part of our welcome team. We are looking for some people that can help simply set up our coffee area in the mornings. This is a great easy way to um, to volunteer and to welcome people into that space here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. The second volunteer opportunity is uh, with our slides and we need some people that are willing and would want to help with transitions of slides with the in-person and live services on Sunday morning. So if you are interested in either one of those volunteer opportunities here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. You can talk to Alex in person, or you can email him at alex at oceansidesanctuary.org, and he will give you more details and more information about those volunteer opportunities for the welcome team and also for our slide tech team. Coming up also on August 29th, it's a Sunday of songs service. This is exciting. Our our band is growing and Joey is doing an amazing job with our, our band and that team. They meet every Thursday night around 6.30 in the Oceanside Sanctuary if you wanna be part of that. But coming up on August 29th, uh, it's gonna be a whole service full of six amazing songs that uh, they have been doing over the past uh, sermon series throughout the summer. And so if you have a favorite song that you have heard over the summertime, make sure to let Joey know and also make sure to be at that service on August 29th because they are excited. Joey and his team are excited to highlight the, uh, all the efforts and all the work that they have been putting in and uh, to, to this band. So we're looking forward to August 29th. Make sure to come to the Oceanside Sanctuary that morning at 11 a.m. for the Song of Service. And then finally, we would love for you to support what is happening here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. Um, this church and this space is a 501c3 nonprofit, and it survives and thrives and impacts our community from gifts, uh, donations from our time. So we would love for you to support what is happening here. If you have questions about 
what the Oceanside Sanctuary does and you're looking for a cause to support, reach out to our team at theoceansidesanctuary.org and uh, backslash contact and that'll put you in touch with our pastoral team and the staff and they would love to give you more information about when you do share your resources, your time, your money, how that is used and how that impacts this community. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being part of these online gatherings. We hope you're doing well. When you're ready and when you're in the area, we'd love for you to join us live at the Oceanside Sanctuary in downtown Oceanside. Have a great week.